welcome to the Business of Show Business podcast with me, your host, Jamie Boddy. Unpacking the skills needed for the entertainment and creative industries and celebrating those already in them. Today, we talk to Graham Pickering, and he is a beacon of knowledge when it comes to castings and auditions. Having been a performer himself, he now works on the other side of the panel as a creative, choreographer and author. He takes us behind the panel and shows us all the cogs that are turning when castings are in place and hopefully put your mind at ease as a performer. On today's episode of the Business of Show Business podcast, I am joined by an international casting consultant, choreographer and author who has used his background and experience as a dancer to help educate and enrich the lives of those in the arts. He is the creator and founder of Nottingham Musical Theatre Associates, and his debut book, 50 Tips Audition Success, has become a popular read for those in the entertainment industry. I'm joined by Graham Pickering. How are you today, Graham? I'm good, thanks, Jamie. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule because you're so you're so multifaceted. You're busy all the time. So thank you for taking time out. No, it's great. I think your podcast is amazing and I can't wait to be a part of it. You are far too kind. Let's get cracking. Because obviously a lot of people probably know you maybe for one or two things. They may have seen you when you are on the casting side of things for Celebrity Cruise Line or they may have read your book. But some people might not know how varied your your skill set is. and what. So what is a typical day-to-day like for you Graham? I think for me uh, because I do do quite a lot of different things um, all my days are different which I always love that because it means it's really varied and it means that every day is interesting and it means you know you're never bored of anything because you're always doing something different I think that's fantastic but um, so I think whether it be that I'm doing a casting that day you know they're really busy crazy days or uh, I might be doing some choreography one day and therefore they're also busy days as well. But in between all that, I need to make sure I put in some admin days as well um, just to keep on top of everything. And also your admin days are not only your uh, invoicing days or that type of thing, they're also your networking days as well. Um, Keep building those relationships with people. And yeah, because that type of thing leads to more work. So, yeah. I think that's great. You have summed up some amazing key points already because Oh, as you are aware, obviously we know each other for quite a while, but my whole ethos right now is about trying to help performers and creatives and this freelancers in general understand how they are a product and the business skills that are needed to be a performer. And I think you've just touched on so many points, which I'm going to dive a bit deeper in as this as this interview episode goes along. Can you give us a bit of context so that where your performing arts journey started? Because although you are now successful in multiple streams you started off as a dancer that's actually where we met it was the olympics we met wasn't it uh yes yeah it was yeah the olympics game yeah we were um we were dancing at the opening of the aquatic center sponsored by speedo so that was a, a fun little little number there in some little speedo shorts wasn't it yeah yeah it was a lot of fun that one <laughs> um, so where did your journey start off in the arts um so Obviously, when I was younger, I used to a lot of amateur dramatics and things like that. Um, And then from there, uh, I started showing more interest in dance um, and doing really well in that area. So I took more lessons in that. And then obviously, I went off to college. I went and trained in Liverpool. um, And then from there, you know, came out, did as many auditions as possible, try and find what I was succeeding in and what I was doing well in. Um, I think it's really important not to be casting yourself. So I just kind of kept things open and see where I was. I was succeeding and then from that my journey started and then as things go on if you if you do more things you meet more people which is more networking and then you know your your growth of 
of contacts gets bigger and bigger and you can end up then you know finding new avenues and then from there I've gone into avenues that I didn't think were even avenues you know when I was younger and then now I have managed to build a business that I love and I have um, a very varied a varied uh, diary of events that I love and um, no it's great. And um, when was the time for you as a when you had that kind of switch in your mindset to go from Graham, the performer to maybe Graham behind the scenes? Because I know, although I still do perform, which I love, um, the media side of what I do gives me that buzz still. So I kind of perform on terms I want to perform, like if it's a job I want to do or the phone rings with direct booking. When was it that time in your mind that you were like, right? This is something else I want to push more. And then also, how is it maybe acknowledging that? Because I know there's a lot of creators out there, maybe hopefully if you were listening, where they maybe have another passion or another avenue they want to pursue, but maybe they're scared. When was that moment for you that you were like, right, I need to kind of jump into this other avenue? Well, when I was at college, I used to always really enjoy anything that was creative or choreography or anything like that. Those sections of the course I really enjoyed. Um it was always in me that I would love to one day be creative. Um, but, you know, it's all right saying that type of thing, but it's not always as simple as making it happen. You've got to work very hard at that. And obviously, like I said before, build up your contacts and your network um, to, to to move into that section, really. And I was I was in a contract as a dancer and I was really, really wanting to start pushing on and being creative. And, you know, I came back and thought, right, I'm going to focus my energy on this. I had reached out to quite a lot of few friends and said, you know, I, if ever any opportunities came up, I would love to be considered for them. Um, and they obviously kept me in mind. And then a few little bits and bobs of creative things were coming through. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to commit to doing this because it may be slow, but bit by bit, it will build up my business and build up my name and build up myself in that area. Um, and that's grown from there. So I think my advice to anybody wanting to like, take the leap into this area, I think they need to put their homework in first and the groundwork in and really research what they need to do and keep networking, keep in contact with people you've worked with, keep having good relationships, leave on good terms um, and let them know your ambitions. You know, if people don't know what your ambition is, they're not going to think of you um, later down the line. If, if you, if an opportunity comes up, you know, cause they won't think you want that. So really think about that. And then, yeah. And then that should help you to start getting the, the wheels going into that area. No, I think there's some, some lovely points there because, um, I think as performers, especially when you do go to a three-year musical theatre course, you have to almost be quite tunnelled vision in the fa- in the fact that I just want to be a performer. But I think sometimes maybe we unintentionally become too narrow visioned, and you don't realise connections you make while you are dancing may lead to other work, whether that be other dance work or eventually when you transition maybe into choreography, direction, casting. So. Would you say along the way, the skills you have learned as a dancer have helped you now more so in the casting and the choreography? Absolutely. I think all the skills you've learned, um, any extra skill you have is always going to benefit another skill you have later on. Um, And I think that's really helped me that I 
can understand for, so from a dance point of view in an audition I can understand how those dancers are feeling from their side because I've been through it as well so I work my hardest to make sure dancers can have their time to show us their best to not be as nervous and for us to get the best results as well so we're able to cast our show to the best it can be you know and I think those skills I've learned the experiences I've had before doing this side of the work has really benefited me I think that would be lovely for people to hear because I think when you're actually in the audition obviously there's nerves there's you may have heard someone before you sing the same song or what you think is better or someone looks better in the audition outfit or whatever it is but you don't actively as a casting as a creative you don't want someone to come in and fail do you you want them to come in and make your job easy absolutely and I think that's a big um fail for people that people will say to me what's the biggest mistake for a performer auditioning and I think that is the the one that they are overthinking things all the time and really the casting team want you to do well they're not trying to trick you they're not trying to you know make you go wrong they're wanting you to do your best because it makes their job easy and and auditions are expensive to run like you know it costs a lot of money to hire studios to pay the staff to run them pay pianists whatever might be happening choreographers you know all that type of thing it's a lot of money and a big expense to them and also time is money as well and if they haven't found the people that day they have to roll it on to another day and that goes on and on and on um and they just want to find the best talent there and then. And they, they want as well choice. They want everyone to be great because that way they've got so many people that are potential for that job. And so they're never, ever trying to trick, uh, trick you and trip you up. They are always trying to see you at your best. And you must remember that because that's going to make you do your best because you're going to not be as nervous because you're going to realize that the casting team behind the table are wanting you to do everything you can. So, Graham, you cast so many different projects, whether it be Celebrity Cruise Line or I know you've just cast some UK tours. Is there anything you see from someone auditioning that may take them out of the run-in or they self-sabotage? Because I think quite often as performers and how emotive we are as creatives, we kind of get so in our heads sometimes at audition that we might not realise we're doing that one thing you don't want to see or you don't they don't fully explore what you do want them to show. Yeah, I think there's nothing directly that takes you out of the running. However, I think there is um, things you may do in the room that may make the panel not warm to you as much as you would want them to. And that's like things like if you're doing a singing audition, the pianist is one of the most important people in the room for you. You know, they want to be your friend because they're the one that's going to help you out. So if you're rude to them, you're not going to one, set yourself up very well. And secondly, that the team behind the table are going to think, do I really want to work with this person? They don't seem that friendly. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing is I have people sometimes come and put like their water bottle on the table. Um, like that's not the best place to leave in your water bottle because one, it's a bit intrusive of the area. And secondly, they're going to have to keep coming back to have a sip of water. And that might mean they're looking at your paperwork, which is going to make a casting team feel uncomfortable because that's, confidential information that isn't for your eyes at that moment in time so um keep away from that table and don't come to it unless you're invited towards the table um and be aware of the space you're in you know um you know be um be spatially aware and don't be be overcrowding people's space because that makes you come across as a bit selfish 
So, um, so yeah, just be aware of your environment you're in at the time because that will reflect your personality to the casting team. Yeah, when I used to work for Royal Caribbean, I would help, obviously, at uh, when I wasn't on the ship, I would sometimes help out with their London auditions. And sometimes people wouldn't realise, like, just because someone's registering you outside doesn't mean they don't have a say. Because sometimes I would then be brought in on the table to help or teach an audition combo or play the music. And I was like, well, no, that person dances great. But outside they were very negative or they bitched about how they didn't want to be here and they're only here because their agent wants them to be. So we don't necessarily want to put them on a ship for six months with another group of people because their their work etiquette might not be isn't what World Caribbean wants. Do you find that sometimes as well? Absolutely. I always say the audition starts from the minute you step in the building. And um, really, if say your auditions at Purple Dance Studios in London, I always say the minute you're in Covent Garden because it's just a small area. You may be having lunch next to the casting team. You don't know that. And I just think. You know, you just need to be a good person, a nice person that comes in the building, is really, you know, polite and, you know, um, interested in being there, you know, to everybody there. And you just don't know who who is going to be talking to each other. So if you're rude to the person that's signing you in, they're more than likely going to tell the casting team that, you know, that girl is just about to come in is so rude. And nobody wants to work with someone that's not rude you know at the end of the day you get in the job is making you become their work colleagues and I don't know anybody that likes to work with someone that's not enjoyable to work with so you have to remember that and um and just keep on your game the whole time and remember the audition is as soon as you walk in what do you think the main reason is for performers to maybe chuck in the towel and to give up like is it what maybe they because they don't reach the success they feel or the money factor? Because obviously you see a lot of people coming in and out of auditions. Also, we're, we're touching this in a minute when you teach at colleges, but you see people at all different stages in their career. And is there ever a clear kind of pattern or a clear um, theme why you think people do give up? Because I think there are so many avenues of work in the entertainment industry, but sometimes people just aren't how we said about it. So those relationships are maybe not open to going off on a slight different direction with their career. Is there a key reason why you think people do fail or give up? Um, I think there's all different reasons. I think sometimes it can be about, you know, they their circumstances in life has changed. Um, they maybe want to have a family. They maybe need some more money and they're not making it in this business or whatever it might be. But I think a key one um, is that people don't directly lose the love, but because they're maybe, you know, always having to re-audition for their work, like even if they've got a job, six months later they're out of work again, that that situation it makes them lose a bit of enjoyment for what they do and when they're actually doing it they're loving it still but the in between they don't love so much so for me I always try and tell people to remember why they started you know you all started doing this for a different reason it might be that you loved dancing along to some music video or it might be that you loved singing along on the radio to somebody or it might be that you're an actor and you really enjoyed going to Amjam when you were a child and being different characters and messing around you know? it might be and that, that's what started the love of it and I think we have to as performers creatives whatever whatever you are in the industry remember that and that is what's going to get you through those moments that are not so great when you feel like you're in a rut or you feel a bit negative, they are going to get you back into that positive mindset. 
Um, and when you're positive, you know, success is so much greater. And then that's going to propel you to do even better and better and better. So from the side of an audition, it's going to make someone in the audition room be even better because they're remembering why they're there. They're there because they love it and they want to just keep doing it. And off the back of that then, because um, you were saying about finding your passions and happiness, would you say it's important for creatives and performers maybe to have a, not necessarily a side passion or a side career, but to do other things that maybe make you more well-rounded as a human? And it's okay not to have to go to every audition or it's okay when you, if you feel a bit down, it's okay to have that one down day, but then to bring yourself out a bit and maybe find other passions and hobbies. It's, it's great to have other hobbies as well. But I also think it's great to talk to friends about your auditions. Like I always think maybe like once a month having like a coffee morning with your best friends that all do the same thing. And maybe you sit down and you have a chat uh, about what auditions you have had or haven't had and which ones you've been successful in and which ones you haven't and just chat and let it out and you know and once you've done that then talk about something else you know and it kind of I think it's a way of a little bit like a, like a therapy that like it's a good way of chatting it also helps you know if you may be missing something it might help you to start piecing together why you maybe haven't been successful or it still might make you think I don't know why I'm not being successful but by talking you're questioning yourself um, which is a good thing, good questions, good questions to say, how can I do better? How can I um, improve? And it might also spark different avenues to go into by talking out loud. So um, yeah, have a coffee morning or even have a, a glass of wine or whatever it might be and just, and then have a laugh with your friends and maybe go out and have dinner or something. And that's going to take you away from, from the world for a little bit and make you realise I do this because I love it and I do this because it's my passion. And rather than getting down about things, and forgetting what the passion originally was yeah and I think with especially with social media which again we'll crack on with that a bit later in this podcast interview it is so important for creators to be on social media however I think it's kind of diluted what happiness is where because everyone's going for this perfect Instagram life it kind of makes the good then not seem good when actually it's okay to like you said talk to a friend, have a laugh over a glass of wine if audition's gone bad or if you don't want to go to an audition, it's okay, talk about it. I think that's lovely for people to hear from you as someone on the other side of the panel, giving people that permission to be like, you know what, you can have some you time in this whole crazy world of entertainment. Absolutely. As much as I always say like this industry we do is a lifestyle as well as a job, it is also a job too, you know, and there has to be that time you switch off and have some fun as well. So that's going to be great for your mental health to do that. And it is also going to keep you driving forward when you are back working. So be sure to have as much rest as training as well so you can get the best out of both. Um, obviously, we've spoke about auditions now and as a performer, it's maybe easy to quantify success and failure because you get cut from the audition or you book the job. But for you now, as a creative and a expert, what does success and failure look like to you? Because obviously it's not maybe as clearly defined as going to an audition and getting it. So for you, what does kind of success and rejection look like? Um, I think even as a creative, there, there is still failure. You know, I think a lot of the time performers forget that. They forget the person that's at the front is still on that path like everyone else is. They're just maybe in a different, a different path or a different area, a different stage. Um, 
But for me, there's often, you know, lots of chats, lots of back and forth emails, lots of, you know, negotiations on things. And then something doesn't happen, you know, or, you know, we've talked about doing a show for such a long time. And then, you know, there's not an investor on it. So it has to drop out or whatever might happen. So uh, there is failure like that. And it does feel not very good when that happens. But, you know, I think for me, I measure all my successes in not only like the gig I've got and what I'm doing at the time, also from, you know, responses to emails, to building the network. If I, I've built another contact in my network. That to me was another success in that day um, because that contact might lead, lead to something else. Like this business is made up of relationships and the more relationships you have, um, the better you're going to be at being successful. So that's how my success is measured, like the growth of my network. Um, and my failure is measured by I would say maybe that thing not coming off there and then but I always try and not look at those failures because they really aren't failures they're just little blocks along the way so you should always measure things on your success. No I think that's lovely to hear because again maybe because being a performer when it's so clear cut with a yay or nay you people maybe then lose sight of other successes they've had during that day or that week and it could be the fact of they've actually been called in for an audition from a casting director they've never been seen by before that in itself is a success where even though they might not get the job they might not see it as that completely like that means they were selected to be seen by a casting director it's another opportunity opportunity is success if you've been given opportunity you've been successful you might not get the job at the end but you had the opportunity. So that's another tick. And you might think that you do an audition for that casting director, not get it, but they might think they did a great job and keep your CV on file. And when they're casting another show that they remember you for, they go, actually, this girl or guy was so much stronger for this show, so we'll call them in again. And that is what's building up success, that you are building up a name for yourself. And yeah, and that comes from always doing your best, making sure you're prepared for your audition and just giving your all and leaving your all in the room. And if you do that, you are going to leave that lasting impression, which is success. That's so lovely to hear. And that's one one of the things I try and install in people. It's it's what you're good at that's going to get you the job. But almost doing that stock take of your skills. What are you good at? What aren't you good at? And then looking at, right, the skills I'm not good at, do I actually have the time and capacity and the want to learn those new skills? Or do I just want to explore the skills I've got and the jobs that line up with that? And as you said there, leaving it all in the audition room. As a product, you've gone into that room, you've given it your all. There are so many cogs that go into casting the show, as I'm sure you can go into for us, that I think sometimes performers then think, oh, my, I wasn't good enough for this. I'm not got it. I'm rubbish. When actually, yeah, granted you may have had a really off day we get it but there's a lot of times and it's like actually someone else who's already been cast is this height and they need to match or we need people that are of this age bracket performers need to remember not to cast themselves and let the casting team do their job while you do yours in the room and i think um you need to bring your personality they need to bring your character you need to just go for it completely and you know like you say, there is so many cogs to a casting team and you may be the best in the room, but you may not fit with that casting type. And, you know, there may be another audition the week before in New York or something. And therefore they are now marrying up people from there. And there is so many things, so many things, you know, that are going to uh, impact 
who is the person that is given the job on that day. So you have to remember that and realize it's never anything personal. It's never anything like, oh, no, no, you haven't got it because of whatever. It is totally down to it being casting. Casting is, for me, like the word you have to remember that it is, it is specific in all different areas. And that's why I always say, if you've gone to audition in the morning and being cut, still go to that audition in the afternoon because they might be looking for something different, you know, and just keep going. And I, and I have had the thing before where, you know, I've heard performers say, oh, I've auditioned to that casting director now four times and always being cut. So the fifth time I'm called, I'm not going to go anymore because obviously they don't like me. If they're calling you in again and again and again, there's something they like about you. You've just not been right for that show. So never think, I'm not going for him again because he he always cuts me or whatever it might be. That's not the right mentality to have. The mentality to have is they're calling me in again, so I'm going to keep going. Yeah, they are, like I say, opportunity is opportunity, and you have to take the opportunity, you know, otherwise they're not going to come along again. And I think what I absolutely love there is don't cast yourself because so often people, they do, they're like, or someone says to them, you'll be great for that. And I'm like, so then I think they they put all or nothing in, which they, obviously there needs to be that level of courage, which I think all creatives have. Yes. But it's again, it's trying to allow them to have that hope and optimism to drive you in that audition to do the best you can, but not put in all of your apples in that one basket. Keep open. Just just uh, be be ready for everything. And I think um, I do think it's important to like hone our skills. So you're focusing on, you know, maybe your strengths. But keep open to new things. So if you're a singer that, you know, is used to singing in a certain style, maybe in your spare time, practicing some other styles as well. So you can build up a repertoire that actually might make you flourish in that area. But it's great to have your casting type and just showing that. And if it's not right for them on the day, it's fine. Because if you're always yourself and always believe in who you are, then eventually these people are going to want you when the right project and opportunity comes along and although casting is a big part of what you do you're also you've taught at some of the most prestigious colleges across the country as well as that as well as that conventions such as move it and can you dance is it quite nice for you then to because obviously the audition is only that one part in a performer's journey is it quite nice maybe when you get to work more with younger performers and the same actually with your associates program you're working with performers who are obviously really young then when you teach at a college you then join them at another age group is it quite nice as a creative and as a choreographer to kind of be able to work with people on a different spectrum of ages Absolutely. And I think like for my young, younger students that I teach at my associate program, I'm trying to instill all this in them at a young age, because I feel as though if they understand it earlier, they're going to pull it into their training, which is going to mean they are already ahead of the game for when they graduate at the end of three year training, you know. Um, and it's the same like I always say about performing. Performance doesn't just happen in the room. They need to practice performing for an audition in class. So I really enjoy teaching and coaching because I feel as though I love to see the progression and I love to see um, students like, click with it. I think sometimes people are slower picking that up and that's fine. It's not a race to who can do it um, the fastest. I think it's who can do it eventually. And I, I, I love seeing a student go through their journey of not totally getting that yet and trying to get it. And then all of a sudden 
them understanding it and then bringing their all and then booking whether it be auditions to get into drama schools and they get in or whether it then be auditions to you know to when they finish and got drama school to get that job I really love seeing their progression with that and I think um I always want a student in the room to perform what I call full out so they're giving their all in every single lesson because that's going to mean they have the maximum potential of training and it's going to mean that their full out is always at that level so even when they're audition and they may be tired that day or not feeling great they're always going to give that level because that's their normal level of energy um where if you don't always you know train in that that mentality you're not going to be able to just switch on in the audition you might think you can but you're not going to be able to do that so yeah i think my training in different colleges is and conventions wherever i've gone to I love bringing that side of it so I can see them do their best. Let's talk about now about how the many different hats um, creatives have to wear. And the same as you as a for everything you do with your book, with your teaching, with your choreography and your casting. Creatives now have you're your own CEO, you're your own chief finance officer, your own marketing and PR, because you have to do all that for yourself. How do you a, first of all, balance your time with doing all of that. And then B, do you outsource any of that or do you like try and keep hands on with everything you do to market your personal brand and you as a creative? Uh, good question. Um, I agree. You have to have so many hats. And I think um, people are only seeing the tip of the iceberg. And that's usually like, you know, your, your Instagram showing you're doing something or you sat behind a table or the work you've produced or whatever it might be. That's what they're seeing. And with that, we all know there is so much going on underneath the water there. Um, I think uh, for me, I do the majority of stuff myself. Um, one, because I'm a very organized person. So I feel like I'm able to manage it. It's a lot, though. And as time goes on, I have started outsourcing more things. But I have a good accountant. I have a good team of people like that doing that, that side of things for me. Um, but I do like to do a lot myself because I believe that I know my own brand better than anybody else. So I um, commit that time because I feel as though I can promote myself to the best because I understand myself the best. Um, I managed to do all these different things um, through running a diary. I love my diary and I'm quite old fashioned that I like an old fashioned diary where I write in it. And that is my Bible. And that keeps me in line to what I need to do. Uh, I'm always setting reminders for things I need to do. I make sure I never leave anything to the last minute. So I am always um, in advance of a deadline just so if something does come up in the meantime. So sometimes I've had to have uh, something done by, say, Friday. Well, I've made sure it's done by Monday. So if a job has come in that's also really important or there's a networking conference where it's going to help me meet new contacts, I can go to it and I've still got a few more days to do, to do that project before the deadline rather than leaving it until that last minute. And then say another job comes in, you're not able to do both and you're not going to be able to keep growing that network, which also grows our income and our, our business, you know, so you need to be as organized and prepared as possible. It's that age old saying of if you fail to prepare, you're preparing to fail. So just be as prepared as possible and organise and you're going to be able to manage your own business. And I think for any um, creatives or performers out there listening who may be not at that level um, 
as you or myself in the fact of having more of a business um, in the creative industry, as an individual, a small business and as a personal brand, you can start implementing a lot of this now with researching who you're auditioning for, making sure your online presence is authentic and matches who you are in the real room, making sure that you're always um, in classes, upscaling, upskilling. And I think people need to remember it's not not to be distracted by shiny things. And there's some amazing teachers and classes out there, but it's not always just going to a singing lesson or a dance lesson. It's going to a physio to get your body in check it's getting a vocal massage it's speaking to getting a mentor someone whether it's me or Graham or someone else who helps more so with the business side and that mentoring I think people need to remember that you have to be as multifaceted as possible absolutely I think having a mentor is such an important thing and I've had people along my journey that have mentored me or inspired me or been great teachers to me and I think it's really important to have that like I I have a book and in that I have a whole chapter about that because I think um you do need those people to advise you and lead you along your way and and those people maybe that haven't got as big a business yet they should divide their time carefully so maybe say you know for this amount of hours a day I train for this amount of hours a day, I do admin, which includes my social media. For this amount of hours a day, I have time off. For this amount of hours a day, I, I'm productive and I try and make a new contact. I try and whatever it might be, yeah? I think if you do that, you are always going to have goals and think like a to-do list and set out to do something in a day. If you're just not thinking about any end goal for that day, you know what it's like. Time can just tick by so much. Like if you're off on a Saturday and you're sat, you know, just chilling out for the day, watching the telly before you know it, it's the evening. And then you go, oh God, where's that day gone? And that's why we must make sure we are saying, I need to do whatever you need to do. And I think a good goal is every day you're going to do something new for your career, whether that be making a new contact or going to a new class or anything there's so many things you can do if you're always doing that you're on the right path it's music to my ears that you say that because I always say like in a consultation or a branding session when I run I'm always like every day you need to think what have I done today to bring me closer to my goal so it's always like music to my ears when I'm like yes someone else says the same there are other people in the same wavelength so thank you for saying that Graham uh, no it's fine. <laughs> and, I, and I, I myself I like ticking things off a list I really enjoy that so if, I've, if I'm like off for a day I'm need to clean the house for example I write down all the things I need to clean and I tick them off as I go because it makes me feel like I'm accomplishing things as I go and I feel this is the same as that so write down maybe in your month say this month I want to have um, auditioned for a new casting director I want to have taken three new classes I've never done before I whatever they might be all these different things all these different goals and then at the end of the month you can tick them all off and say I did them and you feel a sense of achievement if you've been to these auditions and being cut for things you're going to then look at all these positives instead and you're going to think I, I didn't get the audition but it doesn't matter because this month I've made this contact and I've done that and I've done whatever so it, that's going to really help you keep your mentality in that positive zone. Um, with both your associate program and your book 50 Tips Audition Success you have spotted a gap in the market and then built or launched your product was it scary starting something new and also kind of tapping into that new market or was it kind of the excitement 
kind of just overrode, overrode that kind of the fear because that can be quite daunting whether it's obviously starting something as grand as you have with your book or your associate program or just as a singer going to a dance movement classes to bend, to improve that yeah I think um there was always an element of a little bit like oh god is this just going to be a, a worthwhile venture but I think um for me, if you're passionate about something and give it your all, it will be successful. I think if you're just like willy-nilly going, oh, this is what I'm going to do now, or this is my idea now, then you're not going to be as successful as you want it to be. Like Both those two things, as well as the things I do, took a lot of time and a lot of work, and I'm really proud of them. And But the lot of time and a lot of work didn't matter to me because I really loved it. And they were the time I put in was felt so rewarding. And now I'm so proud of my program. I'm so proud of my book. And I think um, that's what any performer or any creative wants to think about. Like time is a worthwhile investment. And particularly if it's something you really care and love about. If your passion is there, it doesn't matter. Time is time. You know, you'll, you'll use the time. So on that with your book, 50 Tips Audition Success, can you talk us through that? What is this book? How did the, uh, well, who, when did the seed first get planted for this book? And then can you also talk us a bit through actually pen to paper when you first wrote down tip number one to when the first book went out? How long was that process? Um, so the idea came along really first because I was sitting on so many different auditions and I felt there were so many things that performers probably did know in the back of their mind but weren't doing or other things that I thought this tip might actually really calm their nerves and I just thought you know what I wanted to create a platform in some way to be able to you know uh, help and educate any performers or if it's someone that's been out in the industry for a while maybe be a refresher for them or if someone is a new graduate and not getting the job they want as quick as they would like, it's going to maybe remind them you're on the right path. Don't worry about it. Um, so I thought, you know what, I want to create this. And I think this is a good way of me doing it. And I enjoy writing. So I thought I'm going to write this out uh, and hope that people can find it helpful. So it took me in total two years to complete because I was busy with other things as well. And the book also went through quite a lot of different stages to start with I was going to write it um more just in prose it just be you know explaining about auditioning and I thought you know what I think if it's more just quick fire tips that's going to be easier for uh, a performer to understand um and also it's going to head head up each section so if you want to look into a particular area you can jump to that chapter straight away um and then I originally was writing it in a certain style that I decided I wanted to change and basically write it like this so it's just like a conversation so as they read it it sounds like it's me talking um and that's what I went with in the end so it did uh, develop and evolve over its two years um and then from when it was finished it took uh, a couple of months for me to really finalize to make sure I was happy with it and then obviously getting covers made and um working with like the the team Amazon and stuff to get it ready so yeah it's two years in total but it was worth every minute um and I hope if you have read the book or you are going to read the book that you have found it really helpful uh and that it's it's set you up for success and the, I've read some of the reviews and it's amazing and I think it's no matter where you are in your career whether you're a fresh grad or you're a performing veteran or you're maybe taking a slightly different um, career avenue now in entertainment, the book suits all. So where can people buy the book? 
The book's available on Amazon. Uh, if you type in Graham Pickering or 50 Tips Audition Success in the Amazon search bar, uh, it will bring that up for you. It can be bought worldwide, so it can be bought in any country. Uh, you can buy it as a, a paperback that will be sent to you in the post, or you can buy it as an ebook. Um, I also have a small supply of copies myself, so if ever you're, you see me around, uh, I'll usually have a few in my bag. So um, they're $9.99. Um, and yeah, it's online there. And if you do read the book and you've enjoyed it, please do leave a review and hopefully we can help and inspire as many people as possible across the industry. Being so multifaceted, um, as we've all discussed, as most creatives need to be now, what do you love about what you do and what do you hate about what you do? Oh, what I love about what I do is that I, um, I get to do what I love every day and I love that I can share my passion with other people as well. And I love that I'm able to try and inspire people uh, and that means so much to me because so many people inspire me. So if I can do the same back to somebody else, that has made my day. So, But I just do love that I'm able to share my passion. What I hate about my job is that I find it hard to switch off myself because I'm so passionate about it so sometimes I can go like a whole entire day and I worked because for me I love my job that much that that's my fun as well um and I do need to remind myself the advice I give other people that you have to switch off and have some time to yourself so that's the one thing I hate about it because I love it that much but Um, other than that it's great and what advice would you give to your younger self if you could have, or what advice would you think younger Graham would have appreciated? I think the younger advice I would have liked is that um, along the path, when those hurdles come or those no's come, they're for a reason. Because there's been so many times that I have really wanted a certain job and it didn't come off in the end and I've been gutted about it. And then something else has come along that if I got that first job, I wouldn't have been able to do the, the new job that's come along. And that new job made me meet somebody that has maybe grown my network or jumped onto another avenue. And I think you have to always remember that, you know, um, someone is watching out for you and that path is the way it is for a reason. So if you're working your hardest and doing the best you can do all the time, success will happen. It just takes time. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I think that's similar advice to what I would want to give to my younger self, because I think as creatives, as performers, we um, attach our worth to our work quite often, whether it's intentional or unintentional. So I think when you don't get the job or when you've done a job and then it doesn't line up with another job you want, you're kind of like, oh, God, you feel so awful. But I think that's like how going back to how viewing success and um, progression is like, yeah just because you don't get one job that actually might mean another job you're perfect for comes available and then you are the right fit for it at the right time absolutely like being available is part of this business as well you know a lot of times like castings happen overnight and if you're not available tomorrow well you can't be considered for that job you know and that kind of thing so as much as we go we don't want to be available we want to be in work we do i agree but being available is great so Sometimes by getting a no, it's kept you available for something else that might be great for you. So never see it as a negative. I think as performers, we um, equate the actual performance element as that's it. That's the job. But as you just said, it's the whole journey. It's everything from 
being available to spend in that time to email people, to go into class, to networking. This is all you want to build a career, not just that one job. You're building a career. And I think what you've just said there really will hopefully hit home to people out there. Like, it's okay to be auditioning. It's okay to be taking some self-development time. Or it's okay, like, if you are in a tour, enjoy that because there may be a short downtime in between your next job and that. It's not a competition between each other. And you shouldn't sit there thinking, oh, well, so-and-so, so-and-so is doing this. Or so-and-so, so-and-so is going to judge me if I'm having downtime to do, you know, professional development. Or so-and-so, so-and-so. It doesn't matter. It's not their career. It's yours. So if you want to take some time out to work on something, that's fine. If you want to take a particular job, it's your choice. Like, don't ever think, oh, someone might think, like, lower of me for that. You just never know where these jobs will take you. And it's always better to be working than not anyway, because then you're making some money and you're also, you know, doing what you love. So, yeah, it's just, it's all about focusing on yourself and not worrying what people think about you as well. Before moving on questions to staying with that advice quickly and your books, do you know all of your tips one to 50 off by heart or is it kind of, would you have to flick your index? Um, I pretty much do know them off by heart. In the right order, no, I don't. Um, But I do know most of my tips in the book off by heart because they're things that I'm really passionate about and things that I say all the time and things that I see all the time. So um, the, the book is just you know, what my findings of what I see. Could you give us this one tip from the book? Obviously, we don't want you to give away all the juicy bits. Originally, I just wanted to say, pluck a number at the end and be like, give me tip 37, but I won't test you on that. But is there maybe <laughs> one one tip that you, um, that you don't mind giving away just on this podcast to A, kind of give people a taste of the book, but maybe you think goes across the broad spectrum of performers, whether you are singer, dancer, actor, artist, composer. Is there kind of a tip that you would kind of think, this is a good one, this is kind of for everyone? Um, there is, yeah. I, I think actually what one of the tips I'm going to give you is, because there's loads of tips about things like how you do your show reels, how you do your CV, how you do your headshots, all things like that. And then there's things about what to do in the room, um, how, whatever. But I think there's also a few tips that are more about how we see things. And I think um, one of the ones I really love is one that I call Challenge Accepted. And it's just about always seeing whatever's happening in your day or in your life as a challenge that you're going to accept and embrace. So like your audition is the challenge. So accept it. This is what I'm doing. And um, there'll always be hurdles on your journey. But if you if you challenge them and accept them, you, you're going to be fine. Yeah. So I think that's a really good tip because that is across all areas of this industry, whether it be dance or acting or musical theatre or whatever it is, you know, that's for everybody. And um as much as that's not a direct tip of what you're doing in the room, I think it's a really important tip for how to be successful. Who or what inspires you, Graham? It could be a book. It could be a person. Is there anything that's in either still inspires you or has maybe inspired you along your journey in your career? Yeah, in terms of choreography, there's a lot of key choreographers that have really inspired me over the years, like Jerome Robbins, Bob Fosse, Alvin Ailey. I love all their work. Uh, there's there's hundreds of people like that. And there's current people as well that are producing amazing work on the West End um, that I'm really inspired by. Um, so in terms of their work, that inspires me. In terms of um, my casting, a lot of the people I work with really inspire me because they're so passionate about what they do. Uh, and that to me 
is just the biggest inspiration. If I'm working with someone that loves what they're doing and just wants the best all the time and wants you to do your best, that inspires me. Um, so yeah, they're my inspirations. If you could have a billboard either in like Piccadilly Circus in London or on Times Square with maybe a mantra or a quote that you try and maybe live your life by or that you implement, what quote or mantra would that billboard say? Uh, I think the best quote I could say is um, you get out what you put in. And if you put in your all and work your hardest, it might not happen tomorrow. It might not happen next month. It might not happen this year, but it eventually will happen for you. And you've got to never lose sight of the end goal. Ah, love it. And again, music to my ears. I always try and hit home like a bar- a marketing term. I think that um, crosses over to performers is ROI, return on investment. And performers and creatives spent so many years and so much money getting to that point when they can audition to try and secure work. And that return on their investment is the paid work. And I think how you just said there, you put out what you get in. It's what's the point of spending all that money and time going to a three year college to then only go to a handful of auditions and give up because maybe you've not found what what works for you yet. Like give yourself that time to fail, to succeed. And I just think sometimes people overlook the value of hard work and persistence. Social media, we've touched upon it. It's such an important part of our industry. Um, again, it has its pros and its cons, definitely. And I think there's... Um, it's obviously got a time consuming factor as well, but if used correctly and authentically to you and your personal brand and your skill set, it can be such an amazing way to advertise yourself. What are your views both as, um, well, what are your views as an educator, as a business person, as an entrepreneur on social media in the entertainment industry? Uh, I think social media is a hundred percent essential um, because, so say from, let's talk about casting side of things. Um, if you want to know more about somebody, um, these days you can be found on social media so easily. So some might quickly look on there. Um, so if they are doing that, you need to make sure your social media is tip top. You do not want your first post to come up and it's you drunk on night out or something like that. You know, you've just got to think about that being your business and your window. It's your window display into what you would like people to see. So if you think of other businesses like clothes shops or say like a tea company or whatever it might be, they are using their social media that when you go on there, you go, oh, I love that dress or, oh, that flavor of tea looks so exciting and new. I want to try it. And that's what's drawing you in to look at their products more. And um, you have to think of yourself like those businesses because at the end of the day, we are a normal business. We're just doing something that's, you know different to what a normal high street shop would be doing but we are still a business like they are so social media is super super important for whatever you're doing if you're trying to be like a dancer maybe have some great videos on there or your show reel or some great portfolio pictures they're really going to pull somebody in if you're like an actor maybe have some stuff on there about your work you've done before um if you're a singer maybe have some voice clips so people can hear you at your best and just think about that and, you know, a creative, promote what you've done. If you're, if you've choreographed a show, make sure it's on there so people can see, oh, I want to buy tickets for that or contact you about getting tickets. Um, 
And that's going to really help you grow your network and grow people's interest in you. I think what one of the great things from that was not only the helpful tips, but how as a casting professional, you will use not only do you use Spotlight or Mandy.com or whatever it is, or agents particular page for a creative, you use social media as a search engine. What else? Can you kind of give us an inside look at what a casting director does? Because I think obviously I know because I'm your friend and I know when you've got like a thousand submissions and you're like, you vet them and you go through them. But there's so much that goes into being a into a casting a show. And I think maybe if you unpack that a little bit firsthand, people might be like, oh, I get it. If I've not been called in, it's because I'm not right or I've not been called in because maybe it's not clear that I have the skills for that job. So could you give us just a little, in a nutshell, all the different cogs that you as a casting professional have to deal with? Yeah, so from my side, if we decide we need to be casting something, we then need to first decide what the breakdown of that is so we can put it out to the agents. And then we need to like put, put the submission out. We need to make sure we've booked the venue, booked all the staff to run it, whether that be pianist, choreographers, whoever it might be, directors to come and work with us. Then the submissions start coming in, you know. I'm always getting over a 1,000 for whatever I do, and that's a lot of time to go through. And after you've seen about number 60, everyone's CVs feel the same. So what what is your headshot telling you about you? About you? you know, I, I should be able to get a story from your headshot, and your CV should be clear. Otherwise, you're one of many that's going to be overlooked. So you have to go through all the submissions, really down shortlist and obviously send all the shortlists out to the agents or the, the direct clients then obviously chase up to get all the attendances back um, and then you obviously get into your audition day so the audition day is all about organizing as well to make sure that it can run smoothly everyone gets their time that everybody is showing their best and have the opportunity to show their best um, and then after that is all the deliberation to obviously put the jigsaw together with the casting and then it's obviously getting the offers out as well. So there is a lot, a lot of sections of a casting. It's not just sitting in the room and that's the end of it. You know, there's a lot that goes on. It's a full job. I think that will be lovely for people to maybe hear what what goes into the actual when you're in audition for however much you're singing or you're dancing or how many sides you're reading. That's such a small element in the grand scheme so thank you for kind of unpacking I keep wanting to let you go but then you'll say something and I'm like I'm going to keep him talking a bit longer and um, uh, you touched on agents there and obviously as a casting director you deal with a lot of agents firsthand and also as a performer you've dealt with agents and I think having an agent that you have a healthy relationship with and it's a really strong working connection can be the best thing but I from my personal experience sometimes having an agent where you just both don't connect or click can actually be worse than not having an agent at all what are your views on maybe agencies then obviously you're not telling me which ones are good or bad but do you they might not necessarily work for everyone and then also maybe you probably have had in your casting experience maybe run-ins with agencies where they've left maybe a bad taste in your mouth so can you kind of maybe just let it be known to some creatives listening if they don't have an agent that's not the end of the world but then maybe what they can do to secure an agent if they need one I think it's really important to figure out what you want and what you want to do. And once you've done that, if you are going to be with an agent, it's important that they understand what you want and are honest with you. And you are then with the correct agent. There are so many agents and so many great ones, but 
a lot of them specialize in different areas and that is great so it's important to find the right person for you um and then work with them regular so you keep a good relationship a good contact there's no point being with an agent you don't hear from for like a month because then you're not going to be able to know how what they're thinking or what they're doing for you and then you're going to maybe start saying are they even working for me and there's going to be some resentment that's built up so you have to have a good relationship with them um i think if you haven't got an agent that's totally fine as well there's a lot of work out there that doesn't require an agent um and so i i really do think it's a personal thing that uh, and i think it's good to meet with agents and chat with them um but the key thing in the day is to make sure you're not just going oh well they have so and so so and so on their books so i must be with them because that isn't always necessarily the right thing for you so they have to be really passionate about you as a brand as well uh, and you need to be interviewing them for that to make sure they understand what you do and then if you really do believe that they are going to be able to take hold of your career and take you in the right direction then please do but do remember even if you have an agent that doesn't mean you do nothing and you wait for the agent's phone call you know you still need to be proactive you still need to be networking yourself because that's all part of it you know an agent just doesn't do everything for you you have to do your own work love that thank you so much graham um i will let you go so where can people find you online what is your social media your website your books because i know also people can um you do one-on-ones um you do mentoring you have your books so can you give us a little spiel of where can everyone find you online yeah, so I spell my name a little bit funny. I spell it G-R-A-E-M-E. That's how I spell Graham. Rather than Graham, it's Graham. Um, so uh, I am on Instagram and Facebook at Graham Pickering 87. Uh, my website is www.grahampickering.com. And on there, you'll be able to see a platform of all the work I do. Um, and there's a, a questions box on there. So if you want to send me an email and ask anything, then please do um but yeah and let's keep in touch and let's and let's help each other thank you so much to graham for taking us behind the audition and casting panel and giving us some amazing tips and tricks hopefully you have learned a lot there that you can take away when you are approaching your next casting or audition or you might have a little voice of graham there in the back of your head when you are looking at your headshot or your cv and how to take your career to the next level do reach out to him on social media or purchase his book 50 tips audition success i'll be back next week with a solo episode diving into another topic in marketing social media and business for creatives if you are an avid listener thank you so much leave me a little review on itunes and do reach out to me on social media let me know if there is a topic you want covered